1: Hi, I'm Maeve Marsden and you're listening to Queer Stories. This week, Josephine Inkpin is the first openly and fully recognised transgender Anglican priest in Australia, now currently working as Minister of Pitt Street Uniting Church in Sydney. Chair of Equal Voices, the national network of LGBTIQ Christians and allies, Jo has also been a prominent leader in interfaith, multicultural, reconciliation and other justice activities for many years. Originally from England and later described as a dangerous woman of Queensland, she lives with her wife, Penny, and shares the joy of children and grandchildren. This story was performed in June 2021 at Giant Wharf in Sydney, just before the Delta COVID outbreak and the long lockdown that came with it. Giant Dwarf, the venue, didn't survive this final straw after 18 months of lockdowns and pandemic mayhem. Queer Stories wouldn't be what it is without Giant Dwarf, the venue where in 2017 I started monthly events, quickly selling out every time. It was also Giant Dwarf who first produced this podcast. The loss of that space is a real loss for me and for Sydney's arts and entertainment scene, indeed for the whole country as it was such a hub for touring comedians as well. It's bittersweet sharing these wonderful stories from that last event, but great to hear the audience once more.
0: Enjoy. Um, I'm not precisely sure when I discovered that God and religion could be queer, but it involved Sunday school. What a name, eh? Sunday school. Sunday and school, they don't sit well together, do they? These days, churches look for other names and other ways of caring for young people in faith education. When I was growing up, though, Sunday school was about all we had. In rural areas especially, you could either be bored to tears on a Sunday afternoon, or you could go to Sunday school. It's like cake and death, really. (laughs) Sabbatarianism reigned. Very oddly, for you'd think the day of Resurrection Sunday would be particularly joyous. Happily, during my English childhood, God started changing her mind about repression. Sadly, some Christians are still catching up. Thanks to the energy crises and the industrial struggles of the 1970s, we started to struggle to do the usual things in the working week. Rugged up as we were with candles against the cold and the power cuts. So Sunday started to be freed up and the results were mixed. On the one hand, we had the rise of Margaret Thatcher and her rabid capitalism. It also saw the death of traditional Sunday schools and for a while, my meeting with queer divinity. Now, I don't know exactly what others got from Sunday school. Apart from being able to mess about with friends on otherwise dour Sundays, I only really remember two things. The first was the stamp. Because if you didn't play up too much, you received a sticky-back, serrated-edge image of a Bible or a Christian character. Whoopee, eh? bereft of later electronic and other entertainments, actually, this was quite something. We kids were used to collecting stamps, depending on our gender often, of footballers or ballet dancers, trucks or flowers or all kinds of different things or a mix of them. And companies would produce copies of these things for us to buy their wares, including in cereal packets. The Sunday school stamp, however, was rather different because you could never tell what you were going to get. It was rather like religion as a whole. Some days it could be incredibly banal, horribly moralistic or incredibly insulting to the intelligence. But on other days it could be quite amazing and quite surprising. It's a bit like that recent church signboard you may have seen that says, the best way to heaven is on your knees. (laughs) Some stamps were seriously kind of visual double entendres or they were images beyond the conventional. There were near naked male saints embracing in supposedly divine love There was fabulous queens of heaven and other extraordinarily beautiful and bold women portrayed in daring contexts. There were eunuchs, there were gender fluid heroes and there were angels. And of course there was Jesus himself, that person of official two natures and a very queer birth and lifestyle. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Breathlessly, we were encouraged to pray. (laughs) So like the furtive moments of dressing in my mother's clothes, dousing myself in perfume, and toppling over in her heels, the Sunday school stamp was, in a way, a whiff of freedom in my early years. Nothing, however, compared to the splendid Sunday school gift of the pantomime. For each year, if you hadn't played up too much, we were packed into an overcrowded, raucous and rickety bus and taken to the annual pantomime in the big, big city of Lincoln. Now, where I grew up, that was actually a big deal, because our little town may have been in England, but actually, metaphorically, it was in Dorothy's, Kansas. It does have the best small race course in the UK. Otherwise, it is easily passed by. Indeed, the motorways go straight past. Charles Dickens visited once in the 19th century and recorded you could fire a cannon down the main street at 10 o'clock at night on a Saturday night, and you wouldn't hit anyone. And that is still largely true. Not for nothing, therefore, is my little town recorded in the ominous-sounding name of the Doomsday Book. The highlight of my youth was the visit of Elton John, who, like Robert Menz's queen, we did but see her passing by, <laughs> albeit as a rather more exciting queen. For our town's other claim to fame was that, like me, Elton John's friend and lyricist, Bernie Torpin grew up near the town and went to school there. Bernie's main tribute to the town was Elton John's Saturday nights all right for fighting. Which pretty much sums up the entertainment possibilities. So the Sunday school pantomime was therefore always a truly wonderful outing. Today it may seem very tame, but to me, skipping up as a little child up the theatre royal steps was like entering a piece of heaven. With its decor and delights, it was a gorgeous feast for this queer, sensate, starved child. I loved, I still love, heavenly staircases. You know, the sort where beautiful dresses don't just flow down, they float down. Gold seemed to glisten everywhere on doors and balustrades and in the eyes and costumes of people who were there. Fabulous faces from the theatre world were hung on the walls at every turn, full of extraordinary energy diversity and invitation. And even the bathrooms oozed class and style, at least until a hundred Sunday school children had done their worst. Best of all was the stage which turned so much upside down, for like Shakespeare at its best, English culture can sometimes reach to the sacred skies, but it is also incredibly, gloriously profane. Such is pantomime. It is poor people's theatre with many British strengths and limitations. Like the British, it can be stupid, raw and crude. But it has power to challenge and overturn expectations and like grander art, it can provide an outlet for the queer. Looking back now, of course, so much pantomime was full of gender stereotype. Today, I'd probably explode rather than just cringe at some of the gynophobia and transphobia that were redolent in the jokes. Like bad drag queens, the character of the pantomime dame can be awkward. Yet imagine the impact on me as a little kid from the sticks, when the first figure I ever saw on stage was an apparent man in a dress. And the next was a principal boy who was a girl. You're not quite in England's Kansas anymore, darling. Thanks be to the Church of England for showing me the yellow brick road. Now, to be quite honest, unlike my wife, I never really wanted to be the principal boy, even less than I wanted to be the pantomime dame. Both are better than the pantomime horse, certainly the back end, although who knows what goes on under the covers. But seriously, why wouldn't I want to be Cinderella with a fairy godmother, a stunning dress, attendants and gorgeous shoes that fit? Who, like Aladdin wouldn't love rubbing lamps and other things that bring delights. After all, everyone should have a friendly genie in their life. Sunday school gave me a taste of true magic, even with its conventionalities, the power of subversion. The little girl hidden in her assigned gender ashes one day could go to the ball. Things were not fixed, they could be transformed. It fitted with other things I learned at Sunday school, symbolized in the queerer stamps, that water can become wine, that queer people can walk on water, that joy is not only possible but very real. And even like Jesus, if you're lucky, you may be covered with oil and pampered by a gorgeous woman. Sometimes, you know, I think that being a priest is like being the Wizard of Oz in the pantomime of life. All the religious songs and scenery, all the props and levers may not amount to very much. Yet to those whose eyes are open, they sometimes provide a stage, a road, even a yellow brick road, on which we find our hearts, our minds, our courage and our love. So maybe Sunday school wasn't such a bad thing after all. Thanks
1: for listening. Please subscribe to the podcast, share your favourite tales on the socials and follow Queer Stories on Facebook for updates. If you enjoy Queer Stories, consider supporting the project on Patreon. Check out the link in the episode description. Finally, for late night ramblings, gay shit, and photos of me trying to garden with a baby on my back, follow Maeve Marsden on Twitter and Instagram.
0: Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high end brands. And the best part?